Welcome back everyone, I'm your host, Tetsuo. Today, I have a collection of true scary stories. But first off, I would like to give a shout out to all my followers on Facebook. For some odd reason, Facebook finally decided to push out all my episodes into the algorithm. So I got an influx of new followers on Facebook. So hi, all of my new followers. I'm happy to have you on this journey. So, if you have any scary stories to tell, please feel free to email me at tetsuotellsastory at gmail.com or comment below on what genre of story you'd like to hear next. In this episode, there will be a transition sound indicating a change to the next story. Without further ado, relax and turn on your nightlights. Please enjoy this episode titled True Scary Stories to Chill Your Soul Told in the Rain. I'll start this off by stating at the time of this incident, I was 10 years old. This was about 30 years ago, and I've only explained the situation to my mom, but I didn't tell her many years later. I'm ashamed of my actions because I knew better. I was in the fourth grade. At this time, my parents had very little money and were trying their best to have a roof over our heads. Even though I was a kid, I understood the financial pressures they were having, which was why I didn't ask for anything. This particular morning, I was walking to school. I was approaching a car parked across the street from the school. The car was parked with the passenger side across the curb. The front passenger door was opened all the way. As I walked, I was curious and looked in the car. On the passenger side, there were lots of quarters, probably about 10 or $20 worth of quarters. A man was sitting in the driver's seat with an arm in a cast. He reminded me of Ted Bundy. He saw me looking and called me over. Here's where I knew better, but screwed up. I walked over and he asked me to help him pick up the quarters on the floor and put them in a cup that he had. He said the quarters fell out of the cup, but couldn't pick them up because of his arm. I thought that if I help, he'd give me a couple quarters for helping. Again, I'm a kid, and we were really poor, and I just wanted a couple quarters to get a soda from the vending machine at school. So I ended up picking up the quarters and putting them in the cup. I was kneeling on the sidewalk, halfway in and halfway out of the car. I remember looking behind me and seeing mothers walk their kids to school, and a couple of them looked frightened for me, but kept walking, bringing their kids closer to them as they walked by. I finished picking up the quarters, and the man said, What a good little helper you are. How about you hop in the car, and I'll take you to get some ice cream. It's 7 in the morning, and he wanted to take me for ice cream? Yeah, that's not likely. He began to reach over to grab my arm, to pull me in. But at that moment, a voice, clear as day, was telling me to get out. 
get out of the car and go to school. I knew immediately what that voice was and who it was. You don't hesitate when you hear his voice. You just do what he says. Yes, for me and my belief, I can say with certainty that it was definitely God. It wasn't the only time I've heard that voice, but I knew it was him. I understand that others don't believe him, and that's okay. I'm not telling this story for my belief, but it is the reason why I feel that I wasn't abducted that morning. Once I heard his voice, I stood up and told the man I needed to go, and I ran to school. I could hear the man calling out and saying he'd give me a few quarters if I go back to him. It didn't work. I obeyed the voice I heard and went to school without a word or a look behind. I also never walked that way from school again. That was the short walk to school, but I didn't risk it, so I took the long way home. Later in the day, on the late night television news, I found out that the man in the car was a child predator. He had apparently kidnapped a child, but was found by the police soon after. And thank God the child was safe. The man was arrested. I realized that I actually dodged a bullet there, but I was ashamed of my actions. I was being greedy and placed myself in danger of being abducted, and who knows what have happened to me had God not intervened. I often wondered why God chose to intervene with me, but not with other children who's been through so much worse than me and my situation. Why did he do it for me? I'm no one special. Maybe I'm feeling survivor's guilt? Well, I don't know the answers, but I do know I'll never ever do that again. And to this day, I still have a great deal of mistrust with people. Even with people I personally know, I try to keep them at arm's length. I've been through some traumatic situations ever since I was a little girl. So it's difficult to open up and trusting people, especially men. Lessons are learned, and I definitely learned a lesson. I was not stupid. I had common sense and knew about stranger danger that my parents taught me. I oftentimes can't believe that I put myself in that situation for just a couple of quarters. I'm not stupid, but I did make a stupid choice. One I never made again. I have forgiven my younger self, but I can't be blaming my 10-year-old self for the actions of a grown man. I can't even imagine the fear that that child would have felt with that man, but I'm glad the child was rescued and the man was arrested in the hopes that he'll never be able to do that again. Since my parents fled Laos back in 1975, my mom has not seen her sister, my aunt, May. Now, after 30 years of separation, they finally see each other as we wait at the airport for my aunt May's arrival from Laos. Then, aunt May emerges at the end of the hallway. My mom gets emotional 
and starts weeping quietly. When Aunt May comes out of the hallway, she and my mom hug each other, pat each other's head, cry a lot of tears, and tunefully exchange words of sadness and happiness. As I'm observing the sister reunion, I turn to my three-year-old, who probably doesn't understand the drama that is being played in front of her, and I see her looking up and down in an empty space behind Aunt May's right shoulder, as if someone was standing there. From the airport, we come home. I start cleaning up my bedroom while my wife cooks in the kitchen, except for my daughter, who's playing with her toys in the walk-in closet. Everyone else is either in the kitchen with my wife or the family room with my mom. Occasionally, my wife does, however, come into our bedroom. Then I hear my daughter talking to someone as I walk out of our bedroom to put some stuff away in the garage. I glance into her walk-in closet. The door is left ajar. I can see the back of a woman whom I assume is my wife crouching closer to my daughter, which surprises me. I turn around to check for the other woman in the house. Now I see my sister-in-law cleaning up the dining table where her husband is cooking up some food. My mom and Aunt May are sitting next to each other and chatting in the family room with my sister and my dad. With some anxiety, I quickly return to my bedroom to check on my daughter. Before I get into our walk-in closet, I can hear her talking. Carefully. I push the closet door wide open, scanned the whole closet, and I see no one there but my daughter. I asked her whom she was talking to, and she proceeds to tell me that it's her grandma's sister. I pick her up and take her into the family room to see Aunt May, and quietly asked her if that was the grandma that she was talking to. She then tells me that that wasn't the grandma that she was talking to, but the other sister grandma. In a hurry to go play, my daughter squirms around in my arms and runs back into our bedroom. After dinner, as we're ready to go to sleep, I tell my wife about this little incident. My wife asks our daughter a few more questions. Piece by piece, our daughter is able to tell us that the woman she was talking to in her closet wasn't Aunt May. Isn't as old as Aunt May, but is another sister of my mom. And that that sister came with Aunt May at the airport. Because my wife asked, I tell her that I've always known that my mom has another sister. My aunt, Amy, who has since died some 20 years ago. My wife starts freaking out and she made me guard her while she performs her evening cleaning of her bathroom. Late into the night while everyone was sleeping, I wake up to the sound of someone whispering. It's my daughter. She's been whispering. She's sitting on my wife's chest who's lying flat next to me. It seems like a dream. Doing a reality check. I close my tired eyes tightly for a second, open them wider, and look at my daughter much longer this time. She doesn't whisper anymore, but 
she's still sitting on top. She turns to me and deliberately smiles at me. That's strange, especially because my daughter never consciously smiles at me, or anyone for that matter. I don't know why, but my wife doesn't even budge. I'm not going to let my daughter sit on her chest anymore. So I pulled my daughter down to sleep between me and my wife. I look at my wife for a few seconds and I can't see or hear her breathing. Just before I shake her abdomen, she suddenly gasps for air and starts breathing normally. I heave a sigh of relief. <sighs> Lie down and hold my daughter in my arms to go to sleep. As the days go by, my wife and I keep experiencing weird occurrences, like birds flying into our house, loud thumping noises in the kitchen when everyone's gone to bed, cracking and creaking noises between the walls at random, strange hooting outside of our bedroom windows, our front door flanked open by itself at night, and our bathroom water turning blood red. Several more times, we catch our daughter talking to someone invisible. And when we ask her about it, she keeps telling us that it's grandma's sister who came with Aunt May. After three weeks of staying with us, Aunt May goes out of town to visit my mom's cousins. My wife urges me to tell my parents everything. Knowing that my parents are reasonable people who don't believe in ghosts, I'm sort of reluctant to tell, but to please my wife, so to speak, I take the risk of being ridiculed and told my parents of the unusual occurrences since Aunt May's arrival. As expected, my reasonable parents questioned our superstition. They frustrate me. However, at the end, they decided that for the sake of our spiritual well-being, it was best to call in a shaman to intervene. The shaman comes and does his ritual. He finds out that the spirit of Aunt Amy is visiting us from Laos and that the spirit itself is asking for money and food. So we prepared a bunch of Joss paper money and meal for his spirit. After the shaman burns the Joss paper money and spiritually sends the meal to the spirit, the shaman then asks the spirit to go back to where it came from and forbids it from coming back to our place. Since then, nothing strange has occurred, and our daughter doesn't seem to talk to anyone invisible anymore. But if she does again, as most kids do, I hope that it will be to an imaginary friend and not to the spirit of someone who's dead. Last year, my mom and dad got a divorce, so my sister and I left with my mom. We moved into an apartment across from my old house, which is where my dad is currently living. Anyways, this apartment is quite old, but in good shape. You can tell the manager kept up with the current trends and remodeled the place up. The sinks weren't the standard porcelain sinks. 
put nice stainless steel. And even the faucet wasn't the cheap one from Walmart. Everything in the apartment was a perfect three-bedroom, two-bathroom place. All the rooms have closets, mirror sliding doors, which was awesome. Now, I can fashion up my room and don't have to share the mirror with my sister. My mom was a nurse, so she worked long 12-hour shifts. My sister and I mostly stayed home by ourselves. Every morning, we would get up around 6 and made breakfast and then leave some for my mom. However, this morning was different. My sister woke up cranky and looked like she didn't get enough sleep. She came into my room while I was standing in front of the mirror, trying on whatever uniform I wanted to wear that day. I said, hey, go get dressed. She didn't even look at me. She just went out into her room. A minute later, she came back all dressed up and said, hurry up. I was surprised to see her all changed already. I told her to go make breakfast and she then went into the kitchen. I hear her turning on the TV and then foiling through the cabinet for utensils. It was strange during the same time I also heard the toilet flush. I walk into the bathroom and I see my sister brushing her teeth still in her pajamas all the hair on my arms raised, and I could feel the goosebumps coming on. My sister said, What's up with that look on your face? With toothpaste foam still in her mouth, I said, You're here. Then, who's in the kitchen? She gave me a weird look and said, Are you okay? I then replied, Did you just come into my room a second ago? All dressed up for school? She then said, Don't be ridiculous. Today's Saturday. Mom's cooking breakfast. Phew. What a sigh of relief. I went into the kitchen and hugged my mom tightly, glad that it was her in the kitchen. Mom, why are you home early? She said the hospital was slow, so they sent her home early. Well, anyways, I'm glad you're home. I said. My mom then says, You better hurry up before you're late for school. Your sister's ready at the corner waiting for the bus. What? Isn't today Saturday, mom? My mom looked at me and said, No. I then think to myself, Wasn't my sister just in the bathroom brushing her teeth? I went back to the bathroom and she wasn't there. I went to check her room and she wasn't there either. The goosebumps and the hair on my arms started to tingle and rise. I rushed back into my room and just threw on a pair of jeans and t-shirt. I took a quick look at myself in the mirror and thought, yeah, I'm still beautiful. I grabbed my book bag and rushed to the kitchen, hugged my mom, grabbed a French egg sandwich from my mom and hurried to the bus stop. My sister looked at me up and down. You took all that time in front of the mirror, and that's what you were in? I didn't answer her, but I just ate my sandwich. The bus finally arrived. After school, I was still thinking. Was all this morning something that I imagined, or what was going on? The whole day, I couldn't focus on any task. 
When I got home, I went straight to my room and noticed my room was missing something. I looked into the mirror and saw what I was missing. I turned around to go get my CD Walkman on the desk, but it wasn't there. That's odd. I swore I saw it in the mirror. I turned back, faced the mirror again, and looked carefully for the CD Walkman, but nothing. My eyes were playing tricks on me today, I thought. I changed my clothes and lay down on the bed, wondering if my sister took my CD Walkman. Then my sister came into my room and asked, Hey, can I borrow your Walkman? I told her I don't know where it's at. She looked around in my room and left. Seconds later, I see her with my Walkman in the mirror walking past my door. I turn around and walk to the door and shouted at my sister. Can you return my Walkman today when you're done? My sister came out of her room and said, I don't have your Walkman. What? I just saw you walking past my room earlier with my Walkman in your hands. She looked at me, puzzled. I came into the room asking you for your Walkman, but you said you didn't know where it was at. I looked around, but your room's a mess. So I got tired of looking for it, and I gave up. I got irritated, thinking that she was probably messing with me. Don't take my stuff, and return my clothes and shoes, I said. She then responded, What's up with you and that attitude? I stormed into my bedroom and tried to cool off. My sister came into my room and threw all my clothes she borrowed onto the floor and then threw a pair of high heels at my mirror and cracked it. She slammed my door and then my mom came to investigate what the matter was. I told mom that my sister cracked my mirror. My mom and I went to my sister's room, but she wasn't there. The doorbell rang and my sister and her friends were waiting outside of our apartment. My mom asked, Are you just getting back from school? My sister replied, Yes. There were some activities after school, so my sister and her friend decided to participate and were now just returning from school. My mom turned and looked at me as if I was a liar. You said that your sister was the one who broke the mirror, but she just got home. What is really going on? My mom asked me. I then explained to her that today was really off for me. I told her about this morning and about the Walkman and how the mirror was broken. My mom then says, When this entire weird thing was happening, were you standing and looking at the mirror? I told her, yeah, I was. She held me tight and said, sorry. My mom starts to cry, and I was puzzled. My mom then explains to me that I have schizophrenia like her. She told me that she would see things and hear things telling her what to do, and sometimes the voices would attack her. She sometimes has multiple personalities. She thinks that the stress of the divorce and stuff going on probably brought on the schizophrenia. My mom took me to see her doctor, and he prescribed me some meds. He said to take one pill every time I start to hear voices or see things, and that I must take the pills daily 
so the hallucinations will stop. Ever since I started taking the medication, I had fewer hallucinations. But sometimes I wonder what is real and what isn't. We then removed the entire mirror from the bedroom and only have one in the bathroom. My mom said that mirrors were the stimulant that triggered the hallucinations. So I needed to avoid mirrors as much as possible. The good news is my mom and dad are finally talking again and it looks like they're finally getting back together. So hopefully things work out and we can come back and be a family again. When I was a kid, we lived in a fairly large house in the middle of Ford Collins, Colorado. Nothing particularly weird happened in the house. That is until my seventh birthday. On that day, I had a dream of a little girl who died of some strange illness. In the dream, I was walking through this strange looking hallway with a creepy floral pattern wallpaper. Anyways, I eventually turned into a room and there is a bunch of people and a priest standing over a bed with a small girl laying in the bed. Everyone is crying and sobbing and the priest is reading some stuff out of the Bible in his hands. I walked up to the side of the bed and looked at the girl and then at the man that was standing next to me. I looked up at his face and he stared at me and screamed, Why God? Why did you make her sick? That scene stuck in my mind so vividly that I could draw every feature on that man's face to this day. After that dream, strange things started happening. Chairs would move around Doors would open and close, and we would hear giggling, things like that. A few times we would come home, and every single cabinet door in the house would be wide open, and all the contents in the cabinets would be pushed up to the front and stacked in perfect columns. Now, seeing that was pretty dang chilling when I was a kid. Then, one night... While I was having a particularly hard time sleeping, I opened up my eyes to see a small girl dressed in a little white gown standing at the foot of my bed, smiling at me. I closed my eyes and quickly reopened them to see if the girl has gone away, but this time she was extending her arm to me with something in her hand. At this point, I had no idea what to do, so I did what any seven-year-old would do. I quickly pulled the sheets over my head and curled into a ball. I laid there for a sec, thinking that I'm just having a really weird dream. But then I felt the bed compress, as if someone sat on it. I'm not sure why I thought it was a good idea to rip off the covers and to quickly stand up, but I did. The small girl has now moved to the other side of my bed and was sitting there, smiling at me. 
she reached into a pocket of her gown and pulled out a trinket that looked like a little horse. She looked at me and then mouthed something, but I couldn't hear her. She extended her hand and offered the small horse to me. I just stood there in my pajamas in the middle of the bed, completely dumbfounded. Right as I was about to reach to get the horse from the little girl, the lights flicked on in my room, prompting the little girl to look towards the door, then back at me. My dad had turned on the lights and was looking at me strange. He then noticed the little girl. His exact words were, What the hell is going on in here? And who the hell are you? Why are you in my son's room? After he finished his little outburst, the girl got up from my bed, smiled at me, and put the horse back into her pocket. I can't really describe what happened next, but she kind of half disappeared, half blending into the wall. Anyways, it creeped out both my dad and myself, and we spent the next week sneaking around the house to try to see her again. After the bed incident, the little girl started taking our stuff. Her favorite things to do were to take the remote from the TV and hide it in the closet of my parents' room. Another of the girl's favorite thing to do was to take my toy trucks and send them rolling across the floor for hours. We then tried to take the trucks away and to put them somewhere else. The trucks, however, would be promptly back scooting along the floor. Well, this is my little ghost story. We never did see the little girl again, nor did we ever find out who she is or what that little horse was for. When I returned from college around 1992, I worked at a downtown bar that was a ballroom in the early 1920s. It was said that Al Capone and all the other gangsters used to frequent this place. Well, over time, it was opened as a restaurant and even at one point was an old movie house. I started there as a bartender. I worked Monday, Tuesdays, Thursdays, Fridays, and Saturday up until 4 in the morning. The weekends were packed, standing room only. The first part of the week, we don't get much of the bar crowd, so I would just sit there and watch kung fu movies on the US network channel and smoked cigarettes. Since I'm a pretty big guy, the owner showed me where the gun was and they left me alone at times. So every weeknight, I was alone from 10 p.m. to 4 a.m. My first encounter with a ghost came on a Monday morning around 2 a.m. And I will never forget this. I was washing the last of the barware and starting my closing routine to get out at 4. The bar was one huge square and across from there was the dish well where we did our dishes and it was a corner mirror. On each wall was a mirror that met at the right of the corner. 
As I was washing everything, I could see myself and what was behind me. Now, before I start this, I must say that I was a skeptic of the paranormal. I believe in what I see. Well, all of that changed within a six month period. Now, as I was saying, I was at the sink washing dishes. I would watch the mirror for anyone who tried to rob me. This night, I look, and no one was there. I didn't hear the squeak that the front door would make. I could always tell when someone walked in just by that sound alone. The next time I looked in the mirror, there was this huge figure standing right behind me in the mirror. I almost pooped my pants, thinking that some thief finally got me. I spun around, ready for a fight, but no one was there. I thought to myself, Okay, calm down. You're just imagining things. A little too much on the Stephen King novels. So I go back to work. I look up again. The same figure is right behind me. This time, instead of spinning around, I stand there and watch the figure. This figure just literally stays there and shifts right before my eyes. No sound. It was not a trick of the light. It literally stood there and shifted. I really don't have a word to describe it. I can clearly see it in my mind, but it's hard to put it into words. I am six foot three, and this thing maybe had a foot on me. So this time, I'd slowly turn around, but nobody. I look back at the mirror, and it's gone. Now, from what I have seen, it had some form, and some detail. It wasn't a shadow or a trick of the eye. Over the next four years working there, when I was alone, this thing would play games with me. It would cause things to fall down, and the bathroom doors would open, etc, etc. My wife, whom I met here at the bar, she would used to come in and sit with me during these slow nights. One night, she went into the bathroom, and a second later, she screams. I run in, ready to kill whatever pervert was in there, and whoever it was that snuck into the ladies' restroom. I meet my wife in the hall, and she is hysterical, and couldn't even speak. I go into the ladies' bathroom, and every freaking door in the ladies' room started opening and shutting in rapid succession. I stand there, stunned, and watched this happen for literally a minute. From then on, my wife would not go back into the bathrooms unless there were a bunch of women there with her. Next, we had cleaning people leave in the middle of the shifts, often refusing to go back to work unless someone worked with them. The place next to us was renovated from an old ballroom to a concert hall. Denny, the manager, would not go into the hall unless someone was there with him. He told me that one night he was booking bands and setting up the schedules. He hears a noise outside the office. When he walked out, 
all the lights shut off, and he looks up at the grand staircase. Descending down the staircase is a female figure that he said sort of glowed. He also tried to explain the noise the form was making. It was sort of a whispering scream. Needless to say, he ran out of there and never stayed late again. Our cook Jimmy also used to do some part-time work over there in that concert hall. He would set up sound equipments, clean. Basically, he was that everything guy. We then got to talking about these weird occurrences that happened to us. He then starts to tell me that one night, after a battle of bands tournament, and he was cleaning up, he went down the stairs to grab the cleaning equipment. The closet door slams, and everything on the shelf starts shaking violently. The mops and brooms all fall off their pegs, and he described the sound of someone screaming from upstairs. He never worked there again. The next day, he walks into Danny's office and tells him what happened. Danny said he understood, and they left it at that. I used to talk to the manager and other bartenders since they said I was the new guy. That's why I got all these shifts. And that's why they never worked these shifts. They would tell me things that happened to them. Very much the same thing that happened to me. I didn't care though. I was making bank. And this thing never really bothered me. Just touched me at times. At the end of the night, it would try and talk to me of some sorts. I would be in the office and I would hear someone yell out, Hey! Or just a low scream or groan from the next door. I know I was the only person when it happened. At closing, I would do a walkthrough with a flashlight and a 9-iron from my car. I check upstairs and downstairs. No one. After a while, I used to taunt it to see what would happen. Usually the screaming would come and then opening doors, but no harm ever came to me. I dealt with that for over four years. I heard some and had seen some scary stuff. I just took all the shifts that no one wanted. Now I would go back home from time to time to see the old place. The new crowd of bartenders know me, but not that well. One time I asked this kid about it. He was a new early week bartender. He didn't really say anything but just looked at me and then his face turned white. Oh yeah, he definitely knew what I was talking about. I worked at a psych hospital here in New Hampshire for a year. It was one of the worst jobs I've ever had, but it provided me with some pretty messed up stories to tell. As you might imagine, places like psychiatric hospitals are pretty turbulent places. I was hired despite my lack of psych training because I was big and a little intimidating. They needed people like me on the adult and adolescent units because these were violent times. It was 1999. Nine months before Y2K, and only a few weeks before Columbine, 
so the lunatics were coming out to the woodworks. We had apocalypse freaks, people who swore they had psychic power and that the government was trying to kill them. We also had colobine wannabes that were emitted once or twice a week. There were also some of the roughest and most violent patients the hospital has ever hosted. So they needed people like me to sort out the peace and to keep the violent people down so nurses would stop getting hurt. The kids really liked me so the hospital director put me in the adolescent unit quite a bit. The adolescent unit turned out to be home to a bunch of ghosts. I experienced a couple of them. After lights out, each hallway, both boys and girls, was watched over by the counselor. I was sitting in the chair in the boys' hall. My job was to make sure that no one was up and moving around and that people were to go to sleep. If I heard anyone talking, I was to shut them up. You can tell where this is going. I'm flipping through my books when I hear voices in one of the rooms. It was muffled, but I have to get up and check it out anyways. I started to get nervous when I hear the voices coming from an empty room. It was a quiet week on the unit, and only half of the boys' bedrooms were occupied. I opened the door expecting to find a couple of kids in there, since I heard two voices. But... It was an entirely empty room. The talking continued up to the point when I opened the room. As soon as I opened it, the talking stopped. I closed the door, go back to my chair, and chilled right down to the bone. That was pretty creepy. I hear more, but decided that it can't be from that room. So I start going room to room. And all the kids are fast asleep. The talking is still coming from that room that is not occupied. After my shift was done, I went off for a beer with the nurses and the other counselors and told them about it. This was some sort of initiation for me, I guess. They talked about how everyone has some sort of weird experience on the unit. It's like a rite of passage. I heard stories about the quiet room in the girls' hall. Sometimes girls in the neighboring bedroom would hear screaming and pounding on the walls, even when there is no one in the quiet room. I was told about the figure of a man that can be seen, and I did see him too, walking in the halls of the adult unit. You can always catch him at the corner of your eye, but when you turn to look at him fully, there is no one there. The head nurse told me about a child on the adolescent unit seeing someone hanging by a belt in their bathroom. The staff checked it out and calmed the hysterical kid, but found nothing. The kicker? A kid hung himself by a belt from the shower curtain a year prior. For that reason, breakaway curtain rods are now installed in each room, and no one is allowed to wear belts. A massive bloodstain was found on the floor of a girl's bedroom once by a counselor doing checks in the hall. She ran to get the staff, thinking someone bled to death on the floor. They all ran down to the room and rubber gloves, and everyone saw the stain. The girl occupying the rooms should have been in the gymnasium, and some of the staff went to find them. 
like they should have been. Both girls were in the gym, perfectly fine. When the nurses went back to the room, the stain was completely gone. In 1987 to 1988, I worked at a small station in Lebanon, Tennessee, WCORAM 900, a little 500-watt powerhouse on the edge of town, has been on air since 1947 or so. That was the earliest telegram I found in the archives. I was, at various times, the morning guy, afternoon, evening drive time, and late-night close-up station guy. I was also the chief engineer because I was the only person that knew how to solder. The building was in two sections, a new two-story section where the studio, transmitter, offices, and all that stuff was, and a squat one-story section where the old studios were. It was essentially abandoned. No light, no furnitures. Anyways, one evening I was alone in the station playing full albums to piss off the general manager and generally just being lazy. I hear someone walking up the stairs. This was odd since it was about 10 p.m. at night and the only person that was supposed to be here was me. I went to the front and checked the car but mine was the only one there. I went up the stairs. But just as I almost got to the top, I caught the severe case of the willies and ran back down to the DJ booth. The record was almost over, so I went through the motions, changed the song, and sat back down. Then I hear it again. I heard the trump 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 of someone coming back down the stairs. That person was coming up the hall towards the booth. I reached around and grabbed a mop handle. I sat there, and then it came again, this time through the door, up beside me, around me, and out the door to the transmitter room. I followed this with my head and eye, but no one was attached to these footsteps. Well, as you can imagine, I squealed like a little girl. After this, the spook would come tromping around the station at night, but only when I'm alone. This ghost or whatever it was would sometimes stand in front of the mixing board and watch me do my show. Finally, I looked up one time and I said, Okay, if you're going to hang around me, please let me see you at least. Well, that was a mistake. The room became unbearably cold and the air in front of me began to warp like a heat mirage. I squealed and hollered, Never mind, never mind, no, no, please, please just go away. This entity tromped back off into the old part of the building. Later that week, I almost jumped over the general manager's desk, telling him to move me to an earlier time slot. Everything worked out well, and I moved to the shift before the one late at night. I trained the new guy and I let him run the shift 
by himself for a couple of weeks. Of course, I never told him about this entity. After a couple of weeks of him being alone, I stayed after my shift to chit chat with him about his shift. As we talked, I asked him if there was anything strange during his shift. And he said, oh yeah, there's a spirit that comes around at night. I almost pooped my pants right then and there. This kid was insanely religious and he kept calling this entity or whatever it was, a demon. While we were talking, I can hear this entity step up into the hall and into the production room and I can feel it looking over my shoulders through the glass. The room got chilly and I was not happy about it. This kid then says, just rebuke him. Rebuke him in the name of Jesus. Well, I never thought to do that. So I turned and I looked at the window and said, In the name of Jesus, get the heck out of here. Well, apparently that worked. This entity or whoever the heck it was tromped back into the old section of the room and left us alone for the night. Soon after, I quit working there. I'm not sure what's been of it, but I'm pretty sure it's still there. Thanks everyone for making it to the end of this episode. If you haven't yet, please subscribe to the channel. Until next time everyone, bye.